Hi, this is Raphael Sparge, and you're listening to the Dead TV Podcast. I play Ted in the pilot, and I hope you'll enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Dead TV Podcast, a podcast dedicated to any and all canceled shows in the science fiction, fantasy, horror, and werewolf genre. I am your host, Dr. Chris. <laughs> and I'm Mr. Seneca. And we were just having a discussion about the next two episodes uh, coming up. The, in, uh, sorry, two episodes coming up are part one and two. So you're going to get three episodes of werewolf in this podcast show uh, so we can cover parts one and two together instead of breaking those up separately. I was also talking with Mr. Zeneca that if you haven't caught it, it doesn't cover werewolves, but my show, the Vampire Movie Minute Podcast, showed up on a list of the top 25 vampire-related podcasts that are out there. Now, I am in competition, FYI, with 12 Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcasts. What the hell? Hey, of course. Everyone loves Buffy. Oh, my God. Seriously. 12 Buffy podcast people? Pick a new topic. Ah, yeah. It's so ridiculous. Yeah, it's like how many how many Walking Dead podcasts do you think there have been? A thousand. Oh man, yeah. A thousand Walking Dead podcasts covering everything from the four. What there are four TV shows, right? Uh, Is there a fifth? I'm not sure. Five plus we have two Rick Grimes movies coming soon, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Which I don't know if those are going to be in theaters or not. Plus the comic book series, which has only ever had the one. You know, there's a couple one-shots here and there, but yeah, um, that is incredible. Jesus Christ. A thousand Walking Dead podcasts they said that were created. Now, how many of them finished? I don't know, but there were a thousand created. Yeah, yeah. So Yeah, that, that's one of the confusions when you're trying to search for our podcast. You know, right. you get a lot of the Walking Dead ones. The consideration has also been coming into my head a little bit about once we're done with Werewolf, about possibly changing the name of the podcast but keeping the RSS feed the same. Okay. Well, what names do you have in mind? I don't know yet. This is the first time I'm hearing this. This is the first time I'm thinking about it. I was thinking about it earlier today when I when uh, I was reading the article about the thousand Walking Dead podcasts, and mm-hmm. I was just like, you know, maybe it's time we change the name of the show. Um, well, let's pose it to our audience, the people that actually listen. Yeah, I'm sure there's a few of you out there. Yeah, uh, give can, us your suggestions. I want to keep the name TV in there, but maybe change Dead. Yes. The I can, don't know. The canceled Something. TV podcast just doesn't. I don't know. No. I don't like that. But it has to have it has to have some uh, spark to it. You know. Right. Well, I digress. Why don't we get into the gangs all here, uh, the first of the three episodes of Werewolf. All right. Uh, Werewolf, Season 1, Episode 8, Running with the Pack, originally aired September 12, 1987. Eric, working in a mom-and-pop diner, has to save the day when a gang of bikers show up to terrorize mom-and-pop and a pretty customer. Soup's on, Werewolf style. Wait, what was the name of the episode? <laughs> running with the pack. I thought it was gangs all here. No, according to IMDb, it's running with the pack. 
The episode title card uh, in the episode itself said Running with the Pack. I don't know where I came up with the other one then. <laughs> you need to take a more studious notes. I guess so. I'm like completely lost on that one. <laughs> so Eric's working at a diner. Of course he is because what else you know, is he going to do? This was the time where you... What did he go to college you, for, you, by the way? Huh? What did he go to college for? Oh, I don't know. I don't remember. That was from the pilot episode, if it was mentioned at all. Yeah, I don't remember. At least with, like when it came to Banner, he was a you know gamma radiation scientist with multiple doctorates, so he could do multiple things. But he was always doing like the labor work. You know what I mean? And once in a while, his scientific curiosity would help him with wherever he was. And of course, uh, you know, uh, uh, Kimball was also a doctor. He was a surgeon. So again, his medical background came in handy when it when he was doing labor work and and he had to do something medically related. But Eric, I don't remember them mentioning what he went to college for. Or no, he's he's are. just all labor. There's no scientific expertise. The the only thing that's close to even an expertise that he has is that he has famili- familiarity with the supernatural now, and that's about it. Otherwise, he's just a kid and he picks up these odd jobs. Because, you know, this was the time of life where you could hitchhike from place to place and pick up odd jobs and be a drifter. Um, you think you'd have better luck hanging out in Salem. Well, he's on the West Coast. Right. I, I realize that. And he's tracking some guy. So unless that guy happens to go to Salem, yeah, no, there's no, no reason to track him. Um, but, uh, you know, I always wondered if, um, if they, you know, an interesting crossover would be is uh, Werewolf the Series and Supernatural have a crossover. Yeah. Don't bring Supernatural into this. <laughs> I think that'd make an excellent crossover. <sighs> Three good-looking guys with their shirts off, you know, working the labor, and then one of them sees, like, the bloody hand of Eric, and then he's like, Sam, look. I, I know you like Supernatural. A lot of people did. However, if you mixed it with this, it would just be... You know, the um, the Freak of the Week show where you'd, you'd get the, the, the format of the werewolf episodes put into a supernatural episode, and it would no longer have any sort of diversity in the show. There was diversity on this show? Well, I mean, <laughs> they did various things. It wouldn't just be a werewolf show. Okay. It's funny you say diversity. <laughs> and I'm not a big fan of Supernatural at all. Alamo Joe shows up, and the elderly couple covers for Eric uh, rather quickly. I guess maybe he's been working there for a while. You know, who knows? Because, man, they're, they're, they're so quick to defend him. He just seems to be a very charming man who, you know, everyone loves when they meet him. Right. They can't believe that he'd possibly be a murderer. No, um, and also, for once, we have a good-looking girl in this episode, and Eric and her are not trying to hook up. Yeah. That's yeah. also surprising, because well, I mean, I, I, as soon as I saw time. this girl, I was like, oh, Eric, her and Eric are going to get together, because he's, you know, Eric Cord, good-looking guy, but no, that doesn't happen at all. Um, the biggest problem I have with this episode is the underdevelopment of these characters does not make you care about them when the biker gang shows up on their non-existent motorcycles. We hear the motorcycles, we never see this gang riding their motorcycles like they are Sam Crow in Sons of Anarchy. No. 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 You hear the noise. I can make a noise with my motorcycle, but you never see them on their bikes. I'm like, 
Are, are they going to take it outside? Is, is, is the werewolf going to throw a bike at one of them or something like that? Are they going to try and like run him down with his motorcycle? I was expecting that. We never leave this diner. No, everything takes place inside the diner. Except for that one scene at the end outside the car. Um, yeah. That's it. I mean, also, Jesus Christ, Alamo Joe, you have the worst goddamn timing. <laughs> if you had showed up maybe ten minutes later, you could have helped Eric stop this gang. <laughs> so I really liked this episode. I liked this episode because it had a, a, a very tight... Um, premise and the and the types of uh, cat calls that the the gangsters were doing. Oh, they were uh, so gross. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they they weren't saying gross things, but it made you feel scared for those characters. You might not have connected with Hank and Teresa, the mom and pop, you know, but they they didn't in twenty two minutes or plus whatever. You don't really have a lot of time to develop, and I think giving them this like quirky personality where the 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 pop Hank uh, guilts people into doing things for him. So he guilted Eric into staying a couple more days, and then he guilts him in, again into telling him why he was being pursued by Alamo Joe, um, and he said murder. Uh, but he's what he he gives a threat. And doesn't really want to follow up on it, but that's his way of persuading someone. And Teresa, his wife, is a, a very kind woman. And so that's really all that you get to know is that she's very kind and she would never uh, never snitch on Eric, no matter what. And he might have only been there for a few weeks, but I think the time there was very well well shared. Um. I there um hold on. Uh, Let's talk about the actors who played Mom and Pop. Yeah, uh I didn't recognize them from anything. So uh the mom, uh Teresa, was played by Lois Hall, who passed away in two thousand six. As does, uh, as everybody wrote the show. I, I know, we we get a lot of that nowadays. But she was, if you had watched the show Lost, she was the old woman. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what, what old woman on Lost? I don't know. <laughs> there was like, there was like an, I'm try, okay, I haven't watched Lost since it's one broadcast. I always keep saying I want to go back and rewatch it. It's not a show I have revisited, but I do remember there being an elderly lady involved with the plot line of the island, but I don't remember much about her, so... She also played uh, someone on IMDb, they say old woman, uh, in Gone in 60 Seconds, 2000 movie. I mean, Nicolas Cage's mother is the only one in that film I can remember as an old woman. So unless there was some scene I missed, I don't remember. I'm not sure. I, it, it she's working at a she diner. Had... She's working at a diner, and her uh, she she told her son her her son's here, and and uh, she's like, "What are you doing here?" You know, because he just got out of jail. He's a troublemaker, and he, she doesn't want his uh, younger brother getting involved in his car. Uh-huh. She did play uh, Doctor Mary Warren in one episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation, 1989. Not enough of a Star Trek fan to uh, of uh, to remember every single little background character. Oh, I'm not. I'm not going to shake a memory out of you, Doctor Grace. I'm just going through her IMDb, and uh, 
we have the uh, pop, Hank, played by Michael Curry, uh, who was passed on in 2009. Uh, Michael Curry was on Airplane 2, the sequel, and on Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, as Rafferty. Oh, okay. I remember him from uh, Halloween 3. Uh, and, of course, I have seen, uh, I have seen uh, Airplane 2 multiple times. Uh, one of the uh, later credits is Homicide Life on the Street. Uh, played three episodes as Weasley Howard. Hmm. Interesting. 1994. This gang reminds me a lot of the gang that invades the mall in uh, Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. Um, Black leather, kind of tough with an attitude, very over the top. Eric burns through his ropes. Um, Eric just feels like he is doing nothing in this whole episode. Just turn into a werewolf and just kill these guys. Uh, but it's 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 a lot of uh, like just pushing people around when he's a werewolf. Did you notice that? This I, I didn't really see him like killing people as much as he's just like throwing them left. It and was right. implied. Yeah, I mean. I, you got to ask the question of, like, if he swipes at somebody and claws them, are they going to become a werewolf? You know, Only if they survive. Them? Yeah, so I, I, it's... But he has to make sure that they are dead before leaving. I don't know. It just, it just feels like there's a lot of um, loosey-goosiness with how he attacks people. Um, it doesn't really ever feel threatening in this episode. I it, Maybe it's because of it's so much in... You know, in the light. Um, I think he gets them all, too. Yeah, he gets them all. Yeah. In the entire gang. Um, they were clearly probably going to um, rape the girl. Um, Absolutely. implied, like, tremendously implied they were going to rape her. Um yeah, absolutely. Um, she was going to be, quote, loved to death. When Eric changes, she won't stop screaming. It's like, Jesus, she screams a lot in this episode, too. I think she had more screams than actual lines. I mean, would would you not scream seeing the person that you have been talking to uh, change into a werewolf right in front of your eyes? Uh, yeah, well, I mean... It, Okay, let, let's talk about that transformation. He is having his head dunked into the uh, 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 dishwater, and then all of a sudden he's a werewolf? <laughs> it, it was fast. It was fast. They didn't do a transition. Fast. Yeah, they, they didn't do much of a transition there. No. You know, the the uh, gang members surely would have recognized if the clothing was ripping out from underneath their hands. They didn't take any moments to... Ease into that. It was just, oh, I'm a werewolf, and then both of those guys get thrown and and die. Yeah, it was it was very sudden, very jarring, and then all of a sudden it just ends. Alamo Joe shows up or whatever. They ignore his questions and they drive off with him standing in silence. And I was like, uh... yeah, like a lot of these episodes, this seems like a great setup for a conclusion. You know, like. You don't really see anything of Eric once the night falls and then morning rises. You don't see anything about him. You don't know where he's gone. How close is Alamo Joe on his trail? You have this plot line that's unraveled in front of you just about this one diner and cut. You know, it's very, very sudden. Yeah. Um, I think they, I think they could have just done, there's a two-part episode coming up. I think this could have been two-part, but I didn't want to see this biker gang any more than I had to. 
I don't and know. And the that's... Vikings was great. I don't. Yeah, they I... played their overacting as best they could. I didn't. I disagree. I think they're some of the worst acting I've seen on the show. Yeah. I understand we're supposed to like dislike them it's and think it's skeezy, but they're they're um their gross it's... attitude um and what they were saying just felt more obnoxious than giving me the eebie-jeebies of like, oh, I felt danger because she might be raped. I felt danger because the old couple might be killed, especially when they're talking to him about not having any kids and him firing blanks into his wife and things like that. I just It felt more obnoxious than actual like, ah, God, Eric, kill them quickly. It did take a long time for his trans- transformation to take place yeah. once the pentagram shut up on his hand. However... Um, we have gotten in previous episodes that it can take a while. It can take up to an hour. Yeah. And we weren't seeing them harass this, this couple and, and this lady patron um, for all that time. Hmm. Maybe. Let's move on to the next episode, which is not nearly as entertaining at all. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, season 1, Episode 9, Friendly Haven, originally aired September 26, 1987. Eric sets out after Janos Skorzeny, following the rumors of a Bigfoot sighting. After a ferocious battle with a stronger werewolf, Eric finds a sanctuary in the home of a woman named Mary, who has a strange and supernatural secret of her own. Yeah, so this is a ghost episode, and it's probably one of the more duller ghost episodes I have ever heard of. Um, the uh, the hunters uh, are out in the woods, and they're mauled by what we perceive to be, obviously we know to be a werewolf, I'm assuming it's Scorzeni, right? Because he does. Yes, it was. Okay, and but they think it's a grizzly. And Eric rolls into town in the middle of a, a checkers game and wants information about the grizzly. Um, the music while Eric is in the woods looking for uh, the debris of the attack is so 80s. It's ridiculous. It's so over the top 80s. Yeah, very synthesizer. Incredibly. Beats. Yeah, very, very much synthesizer beats. And I actually had to go back through this episode um, twice to see if there was something I was missing here. Okay, so the supernatural secret, as far as I can tell, is that this uh, Mary Peterson woman who he, you know, finds refuge with is Scorzeni's lover, but yet she's also a ghost. Yeah. Ghost. It was lame. I was re- I, the 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 plot where we think that she's a werewolf too in the present day. Or she's never a werewolf, by the way. She's been dead forever. Her and her father died when a drifter rolled into town. I'm assuming well, we're supposed to imply that it was Scorzeni years ago, back in the Depression era, which makes him incredibly old, but werewolves don't age normally. But the Depression from 1987 to now would still have been, what, 50 years? Yeah. So yeah. maybe Scorzeni, possibly? Because Scorzeni's, what, <laughs> supposed to be in his 60s, probably? So Scorzeni was definitely with her long enough to have a picture taken, because we see the picture of them both. When she was a little girl. When she was, she was a young woman. And the ghost is an old woman. This whole farmhouse that they're in looks very well maintained. The lights are on, everything's soft and warm, and etc. And in the diary that you hear, like, voiceover with, um, when uh, Eric is kind of snooping, is that uh, she's now his forever. You know, his, her father was destroyed, making making her uh, Janos' forever, 
and she only sees them sees him once every seven years. There's some sort of spectral time issue here that she pops up every seven years. But why would her ghost be old rather than a young woman? And then the people of the town say that she's been dead the, the entire time. And when Eric goes back, the farmhouse is decrepit, like it's layers of dust, like no one has been there. But the picture remained. So the, the I don't know what's going on in this episode. <laughs> I don't either. It made me really confused. Um, it was more confusing about the know. fact that when the girl, the old woman, turned into a werewolf and she's whispering to Scrozzeni, and then all of a sudden, um, you know, there's there's those two people are gone, and he goes to the town, and of course they're like, what? What you saw was a ghost. Large Marge sent me. It's that whole scene from Pee Wee. Um, <laughs> and um, that's it. I just rather boring, rather dull. So, so uh, Mary Peterson it was played by BB Osterwald, and BB um, passed on in two thousand two, but she was in the movie as good as it gets. I didn't see that one. Oh, it's it's with Jack Nicholson, but uh, she just oh, played a neighbor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With uh, what's her name from um, uh, Twister? Yeah, okay. uh, she did some voice acting uh, re- uh, in her later years, and voiced the character on uh, Jumanji uh, as Ms. Demona. Um, bad use of uh, bad use of Scrozzeni in this episode too. By the way, I mean he's there. Uh, I I don't know what area of California that they're kind of wandering through in these episodes, but it seems to be fairly localized. Um, the because redwood you get, part, I guess. Huh? <laughs> the redwood part, I guess. Well, there's forest, but yet also there's desert land. You know, so that can cover like the the northern, um, like the high desert area where you do have forest plus desert uh, climate as well. So it seems that these three episodes are kind of related, at least in setting, because, you know, there's, um, uh, he went out and, and the whole Bigfoot connection that you see in the very beginning of the episode never pays off. Absolutely never pays off. They don't do anything with it. There's not even a hint that the ghost was a Bigfoot or something. <laughs> there's nothing. Um, but they're saying that it was a grizzly or a cougar, you know, this, this area is just, I guess, full of animals, um, that these, uh, killings are being blamed on, but it's really just Scorzeni hunting, and Eric on, on his track. I don't need more notes for this episode, because it was really dull. It was not as exciting as the previous one, for sure. I like that one a lot better, um, because this one had a weird supernatural element to it. Um, I, I really don't know what to make of it. I, I, I wouldn't say it's a good episode. It was effectively produced, and, and it made the story a little interesting, but I wish there were some payoffs about the whole Bigfoot issue, because why make that an issue if the newspaper that Eric is following says, attack by Grizzly? So he'd be looking for Grizzly, Having any sort of Bigfoot connection in there just was, like, superfluous. A lot of muddiness in this episode. Mm. Let's move on to the next one. As um, Well, I do, I do want to mention that the townie that um, he gets the ride with, he, he was played by Gabs Greer, who passed on in 2007, 
But he played old Paul Edgecombe in The Green Mile. In, inv in an invasion of the body snatchers, he was Mac Lomax. Very famous actor. Gotcha. Okay. That's all the notes I have for that one. All right. Let's move on to the third and final one. Let us pray. <laughs> Season 1, Episode 10, Let Us Pray, originally aired October 3rd, 1987. Eric seeks safe haven in a monastery, but the monks there have secrets of their own. In the past, the werewolf Skrzeny paid a visit to the monastery and turned at least one of the monks. Uh, we open this episode with Eric doing his best Bruce Banner impression on the side of the road, trying to find a ride. Because <laughs> that's literally yes. every episode of The Incredible Hulk, how it ends. Uh, and there's a guy chasing a goat, and then that's when Eric uh, shows up at the monastery with some of the hottest-looking monks you'll have ever met. <laughs> but that's fine, because a lot of times uh, nuns are uh, pretty smoking hot and uh, played by hot actresses. You know what I mean? They don't find ugly-looking nuns. So we got to have some young, hot, heartthrob monks. Uh, it's definitely not the name of the rose, that's for sure. It's where the monks are all pretty hideous-looking, let's just face it, other than uh, Christian Slater. <laughs> Did you ever yeah, see that movie? Yeah. What? Have you ever seen In the Name of the Rose? Long time ago. Long time ago, starring, uh, of course, the late, great Sean Connery. Mm, yeah. Um, and uh, Ron, uh, Ron Perlman. Indeed. Uh, yeah. Really great movie. Kind of a, it's a, it's a murder mystery. It's a, about a, uh, it takes place like 300 years ago, too. Um, it just, it's just uh, funny to think about the, uh, the, mur the, 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 the murder horror setting uh, here is the best thing to compare it to there. By the way, the monk that is the chef, um, we have not seen him before. We have seen him before in one of our shows. I don't remember which one he was on, but uh, you might also know him. Uh, he was in the TV series Coach, and he was in a vampire movie that came out this year called um, uh, My Best Friend is the Vampire. He played uh, Jeremy, the vampire's father, in it. Oh, really? Yeah, cool. but you might also know him as... Um, Are you talking about Kenneth Timmons? Yes, I'm sorry, I was, I was grasping for straws at the name, but yeah, uh, he, um, he, he was, uh, again, the TV series Coach was very popular at this time. I think it had just kind of recently started. That's yeah. usually what a lot of people know him from, is Coach. He's still alive today. He's 82 years old. Yeah, Kenneth Kinnamans has uh, done, recently, he was on uh, Confess Fletch as the Commodore, shows as a credit from 2022. On Desperate Housewives, he was Mayor Johnson. Confess Fletch, is that like the sequel to the to the, the Fletch films with the Chevy Chase with John Hamm playing Fletch? No, I I think it's I think it's a movie. Um Confess Fletch, a dead body, a stolen Picasso, and this guy. Um Yes, no, this is this is the this is one of the Fletch novels about the uh private detective that was played by Chevy Chase in two movies. Oh, ah, okay. Yeah, this is a direct sequel to those films. It's not a remake. Um oh, cool. this was a nut they had had a hard time trying to crack for years and they a lot of people agree that John Ham uh really hammed it up in uh this this uh revival of the Fletch I guess okay. franchise. There's only two other movies, so uh, for a long time, Ben Affleck was supposed to be uh, Fletch, but uh, that never happened. But uh, yeah, though this was uh, this was pretty good. Yeah, and uh, the the one monk that we do see actually turn in this episode, his brother Mark, is played by Stephen W. Burns, who passed on in 1990. Uh, so this is his last credit, according to IMDb, 1987. Gotcha. Yeah, he definitely plays a very hot monk in training. But the the story of this episode unfolds, and it and 
and because the monastery uh, abides by the the idea of sanctuary, any any wayfarer is given like three days of lodging and food and drink and whatnot uh, before they're they're uh, welcome to get out on their way. And Skorzeny had arrived and turned Brother Mark in some way, and then they were hunting partners. And when Skorzeny left, Mark begged to go with him, but wasn't allowed to. Uh, but yet he's not completed his priesthood right, so he's not yet, you know, c- could be called father. And when he sees Eric, he thinks that they can be hunting partners instead. Mm-hmm. Until Eric says, like, no way, you know. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm not like Scorzetti, and you know, then Brother Mark agrees, you're not like Scorzetti. You don't have the evil, and then they fight. And then the episode, like most of the other ones, just kind of end. Mm. Um, the the fight ends with Brother Mark being stabbed through the chest with a silver crucifix by falling on top of it, and then turning back into his human self. So we don't see if there's any sort of legal kibosh about it, No, no police, no cops, no... No real ending after that. Uh, no. Also, one of the rare episodes that Eric leaves, um, we see Eric leave with his clothes and his stuff. Uh, <laughs> usually, yeah. it's like him like waking up in the field naked and everything he he's acquired is gone. Um, like in the pa- previous episode, he had you know he had gotten a gun. Don't forget with silver bullets, and it didn't do him any good. Uh, but uh, in this one, he he actually has help. It it's it's. It, 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 there's a there's another werewolf or some kind of transformation thing where somebody always gets stashes their stuff somewhere so that way they can get get it later on without having to worry about it being lost while they transform. Uh, I think that's what Eric needs to do. Like when he knows the change is coming, like you know, mar- put it in a place that he'll remember when he when he turns back into a human, and uh, you know, get his stuff back. Yeah. But he could end up anywhere. Who knows? Um, no Alamo Joe in this one. No, no Alamo Joe. It's just you know the idea that he's quick on his trail. So so it's either it's a Scorzeni episode or it's an Alamo Joe episode. Correct. And the last thing that the monk that tur- that took the vow of silence, uh, Father Jude, gives him a picture that he drew of Saint Francis of the Fields, the patron saint of all animals. Yeah, which is funny that it's drawn with a wolf, too. Well, yeah, it, it, I think it's meant to relay the concept that God is at your side and the wolf in you will be subdued. Right. Uh, no indication who drew the painting, either. Picture. Drew the drew the picture. Yeah. No. Uh, no indication of that, and there's no indication of which father, although it is kind of presumed to be Father Jude, that did the tapestry that says, I can no longer paint the sunlight. I did a, a bit of deep dive into that, and I couldn't really come up with anything. Uh, well, that's all the notes I have for this episode. Yep, those are all that I have, too. We're going to be back with uh, two episodes. That's a two-parter. That's why we did three episodes this time around on the Dead TV podcast. Um, hopefully that two-parter is much more interesting than in these three episodes. But uh, well, well, at least they'll have a chance to get a fully-fledged you know, it'll yeah. feel more like a beginning, a middle, and an end, rather than just a beginning and the middle with a little ending to it. You know? Yeah, I really think this show would have benefited better if it was an hour-long episode. I, Absolutely. I just cramming too much 
in just such a short amount of time with characters that we will never see again and could care less about. And that's the way it is with a lot of these shows. Quantum Leap also had this problem because Quantum Leap, the fugitive, they're all they're, they're like that. Of course, Sam's not like in trouble and leaping. He's in mm-hmm. trouble trying to get back home, but he doesn't have anybody after him. But still, yeah. he's going around from one episode to the other. We never see those characters again with the with the rare uh, return to that maybe that timeline once in a while. Uh, but I, I can't remember a single episode of uh, of uh, the Incredible Hulk where he went back to the same people he had left behind before. You know what I mean? Uh, which is a lot of times yeah. why sometimes those shows have a hard time with like licensing, marketing, distribution releases on disc and other things because of the number of guest stars in the episodes they all need their payouts so and mm-hmm. it can become very difficult this this show's problem obviously was music but other than the pilot we really haven't heard a lot of like um copywritten music unless it's a thing with the the sound composer do you think i don't know yeah if they said it's always if they said it's the music the music is the reason why do you really think Timbuktu, which, by the way, is not even together anymore, they were a husband-wife team um, that got divorced, and that's how they broke up. They were the they were the singers of the song from the first episode, uh, Gotta Wear Shades. Uh, mm. Do you think they're really holding out? <laughs> I think one of them is like uh, an, a hippie artist. The wife is like a hippie artist now, and the, 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 the husband's like a real estate agent. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So. I do not know the inner workings of the, uh, of the TV production DVD release <laughs> industry. Neither do I, neither do I. But uh, I digress. Uh, that's all the time we have here tonight. Uh, don't forget to find us on Facebook, The Dead TV Podcast. You can send us an email, thatradiohorror at gmail.com. You can also uh, find us on Apple iTunes, Apple iTunes, Audible, which is Amazon, Stitcher, Google Play, and Podbean, by the way. Um, or sorry, Podchaser. Podchaser will have uh, other links and distributed out to other places like... Um, not iTunes. What is it called? There's a. Um, I keep finding our podcast on a particular site. It's uh, iHeart. iHeart Radio. That's what it is. Oh, that's nice. I, I get it confused with the I. You know what I mean? Uh, but iHeart Radio <laughs> does have our podcast on there as well, as well as other uh, websites. And then apparently we're international as well. We have we're on some international sites that um, just must have linked it through the RSS feed. So um, because there was an email. I couldn't read. It was such broken English. I, unfortunately, was just not able to comprehend it whatsoever. But they appreciate the podcast. So, Werewolves popular popular in, in a lot of places, uh, including the Facebook group that I'm in. Well, if you're in the Philadelphia area, what my partner Jason and I have been up to is doing Christmas decor for a number of uh, bars, namely Tinsel Christmas Bar in Philadelphia. So, if you're in the Philly area until New Year's Eve, Come by and take a look. There's two floors to the area, and we have statues that we created everywhere. Awesome. Um, what's the what's the theme? I I thought I saw a gremlin, it's, maybe. Yeah, it's the Tinsel Christmas Bar on 12th Street in Center City. The theme we went with this year is Christmas comedies. So there's um, gremlins. Uh, yeah, there's Gremlins represented, there's A Christmas Story, there's Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Home Alone 1 and 2, uh, The Grinch That Stole Christmas, um, oh my, <laughs> we actually have a, a lot, we've got Peanuts, um, uh, South Park, Christmas Critters, a scene, uh, Futurama, Christmas Robots, character from the King of the Hill, dressed as Santa, we have a whole swath of Christmas characters in there. Cool. Yeah, it's fun. 
Awesome. And don't forget, you can send us an email, like I said, at thatradiohorror at gmail.com. And please um, feel free to reach out to us with any comments or questions. If you happen to know anybody from the show, please have them reach out to us. Our last guest of the show gave me a couple names I need to uh, do a little bit of research on or ask him to connect us with uh, for Werewolf the Series. Also, someone said that they could probably put me in touch with the comic book writer for the five issues, which were basically just five episodes turned into a comic book, but it would still be something cool to have on the show with us. Yeah, totally. Uh, but uh, those five comic books, if you can find them, um, the first issue is pretty easy to find. It's the next four, which were heavily underprinted. I think it was a Blackthorn Publishing. They also published 3D comic books for things like G.I. Joe, Transformers, and Star Wars. Um, and they've been out of print for a long time and out of business. But uh, I digress. That's who published the only werewolf-related media that I, I, am, I am familiar with. There is a fan book out there I wanted to point out. I've seen it pop up in the group before, and I've seen it pop up online on eBay and other websites. A Werewolf the Series Forever Night crossover. Mm. Which is kind of interesting, as Forever Night never dealt in werewolves. They only ever dealt in, like, ghosts and warlocks and vampires, you know, but mostly vampires. You know, most of the villains on the show were a vampire or a serial killer murderer that Nick would have to get involved with with his vampire powers, kind of like the way we did with Witchblade. I would love to cover uh, Forever Night one day, but it's 72 episodes long, so it's quite the commitment. And uh, we've done enough uh, long episode, long shows. We definitely have uh, some short ones we want to we wanna do just to give ourselves a break. So, mm-hmm. But I digress. Uh, again, if you have any leads on anybody connected to Werewolf the Series in any way, shape, or form, even if it's a relative of somebody that was on the show, please reach out to us at gmail.com, and we'll be back in a couple weeks with another uh, exciting couple episodes of Werewolf the Series. Good night.